Welcome to Trevecca Community Church's Sermon Podcast Series. Each week we'll be streaming our sermon from within the sanctuary just for you. Join us this Sunday as Pastor Shauna continues our current sermon series, Who is My Neighbor? Hear the word of the Lord from Mark chapter 12. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, he asked him, Which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, The first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and besides him there is no other. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one neighbor as oneself. This is much more important than the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask any questions. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Curtis. I recently heard it said that it's easier to belong to a group than to belong to God. So I want us to think about that for just a moment, and I want you to take a moment and to think about all of the groups that you belong to. What are all the groups that define you, that you would say uh, make up your identity? What are some of those Groups, just list them in your head. As I was actually thinking through it just recently, I I was thinking two groups immediately popped into my head, Bikers for Christ and Donaldson Hot Yoga, (laughs) which I know you think totally go together, but here's why. So uh, some of you know Pastor Joe Drake. Anybody know Pastor Joe? So he was a part of Trevecca Community Church for a long time. We celebrate being part of his story, and today he pastors the Bethel Church of the Nazarene on the other side of town. Amazing guy. Well, if you know him, you might know that he is one of the like head honchos of Bikers for Christ in North America, and he looks like Bikers for Christ. He also owns a cement business, a concrete company, and he looks like he works with concrete. You know what I mean? Like it, those two things, as people are nodding their heads. You know Joe, that they just define him. You look at him and you think, yeah, Bikers for Christ, concrete. That totally makes sense. Well, one day I ran into Joe and said, hey, Joe, I saw your truck the other day on Lebanon Pike. You know, what were you doing in that part of town? And Joe just said, oh, I was working out at Donaldson Hot Yoga. <laughs> and I was really taken aback. And I think he saw that my jaw was a little bit dropped. Like, what? You were, you were working out? at Donaldson Hot Yoga. No, 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 I was working out at Donaldson, laying concrete at Donaldson Hot Yoga. Okay, okay, that makes more sense, right? That makes more sense. What are some of the groups that define you? Maybe affinity stuff, like you're a part of a sewing club or running club. Maybe it's the types of movies that you watch or the sports teams that you cheer on. Maybe you're a band groupie, things like that. 
or maybe things that are more deeply to your core and identity, things that really identify you at a deep core level. Do you have it in your mind? Have you listed out some of those groups that you belong to that really define you? You got them? I want to see some head nod. You can, you can do this. You can participate. Got your groups? All right. Now I'm going to ask you a question that if you've been around the church for a long time, should be a no-brainer. And if you've not been around the church for a long time, it's really fine if it gives you pause, okay? If following Jesus was ever in conflict with one of those groups, would you be able to defy the group or even to leave the group if you needed to? All right, so now the Sunday school answer. The Sunday school answer, for those of us that have been around the church for a long time, is an unequivocal, unwavering yes, right? But if that group really deeply believed that Jesus was on their side, well, that gets a little trickier, doesn't it? So this passage that Curtis read for us so beautifully, one of the scribes came near to Jesus and asked him, which commandment is first of all? It just says one scribe, one person who is identified by their group. We don't know his name. We don't know what city he was born in. We don't know what scribe school he went to or which football team he rooted for or what brand of hummus he likes best. We don't know anything else that defines him. We just know that he is a scribe. We know he belongs to this group and that it identifies him. So what do we know about scribes? Well, we know that scribes are a part of the religious leaders of Jerusalem and the people of God, God's chosen people. So being identified with the scribe also identifies him with the people of God. In a really, really good way, all right? I want you to hear this in a really good way. Perhaps one of the most notable scribes in the Old Testament is named Ezra. And if you've not heard the name Ezra before, he was a scribe during the same period as Nehemiah. It was when the people of God who had been in a captivity for a really, really long time, they're finally returning to the promised land and they're rebuilding the city of Jerusalem that had been destroyed and God is going with them and God uses Ezra, this scribe, to teach these people back in the promised land the ways of God, to follow after the law of God. His job is really important. In fact, in Ezra chapter 7, verse 6, it says that Ezra was a scribe skilled in the law of Moses that the Lord, the God of Israel, had given. That's a really important job. During a time when the people of God had forgotten about the law of God and had failed to love God and neighbor well, Ezra, this scribe who studied the law, is teaching them, here are the ways that God has commanded you to show love for God and neighbor. So if God is on anybody's side, it ought to be the scribes, right? God ought to be on team scribe 100%. But we also know that the scribes are one of the groups that are currently interrogating Jesus in Mark chapter 12. You see, 
the first 10 chapters, this is our first Sunday in the chapter of Mark, I mean the book of Mark in this series. We spent a lot of time in the book of Luke and in Deuteronomy and Leviticus and some other places. First time in the Gospel of Mark. What you need to know about the Gospel of Mark. The first 10 chapters, for the most part, things are going really well for Jesus. Like really well. Jesus is calling disciples and they are following him. He's teaching people and healing people and feeding people. He's working miracles. He's walking on water kind of a good day. Things are going really well for Jesus. But then in chapter 11, Jesus enters Jerusalem and he greets the folks who are really thinking that he's probably the Messiah and, and they are cheering him on. And then he walks right into the temple. He walks into the temple where people are buying and selling animals to offer burnt offerings and to make sacrifices. And this would have been some of the stuff that Ezra would have been all about. I mean, Ezra would have been teaching people the appropriate ways to offer burnt offerings and to make sacrifices, right? And so he sees people doing the things that the scribes and the law teach people to do. They're probably buying things like birds and lambs, maybe heifers, that are going to eventually go to the temple to be sacrificed, burned, roasted, grilled. Now, when they grill these animals, the burnt part, the fat, would have burnt off and risen up, making this wonderful smoke that rises up as an offering to God, right? Kind of like when I walk into Martin's Barbecue and go, thanks be to God, for he is good. So a burnt offering, when you hear burnt offering in scripture, that is a sign of love for God. Burnt offering is a sign of love for God, a way to show your love that literally rises up to the heavens, a sign of love for God. But then the cooked meat that is left on the animal, the cooked meat was the sacrifice. It was a sacrifice that was then shared with the priests and other worshipers and none of the hungry would be turned away. It was community barbecue style, right? It was a community barbecue and so a sacrifice, unlike a burnt offering, a sacrifice was a sign of love of neighbor. So Jesus walks into the temple where they are buying and selling animals so that people can present burnt offerings and sacrifices, signs of love for God and signs of love for neighbor. Only when he sees them doing this, he sees that they're cheating people. Like they're making money off of this. They have turned this into a way to turn a profit and he is really angry to see that they are using signs of love for God and signs of love for neighbor actually to scorn God and rob their neighbor. And Jesus will not have it. And so he starts flipping over their tables and ranting about, my father's house is a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of robbers. And this is where things get really dicey for Jesus. In fact... After this scene in the temple where Jesus starts turning over tables, after this scene is when the religious leaders, they just line up out the door and around the block like Martin's Barbecue at 12 noon. 
to ask him questions, to interrogate him. And so chapters 11 and 12, they are the interrogation of Jesus. In fact, all the groups of religious leaders join in the party. In chapter 11, verse 27, we see that the chief priests, scribes, and elders came to question Jesus. And then in chapter 12, just a couple scenes later, it says that the Pharisees and Herodians come to question Jesus. And then the very next scene, once the Pharisees and Herodians have had their say, have grilled Jesus a little bit, then the Sadducees step up to the plate and they take aim at Jesus. In fact, interrogating Jesus has become a unifying moment for the leaders in Israel. It is the American idol of the early 2000s, and everyone can come together around this event, right? Pharisees and Sadducees, they don't get along. They don't like each other. They have totally different interpretations of Scripture and belief about eternal life. And the Herodians would have been political opponents to maybe half of the priests and the scribes. So these people, they do not like each other but they can at least agree that they all don't like Jesus. Common enemy, common ground. And I wonder, I almost wonder if being one of the ones to like step up and ask Jesus a question would have worked really well for them. Like it it would have earned them a good reputation among the Pharisees or the Sadducees or the scribes or whatever. Like it might have even gotten them a pundit spot on the news network or an endorsement for their blog, right? Like if they could have been one of the ones interrogating Jesus. And so scribes, in the tradition of Ezra, defender of the word of God, the law of Moses, scribes are one of the groups interrogating Jesus. And Jesus himself has no fond feeling for the scribes. In fact, in chapter 12, right after, he's just had this conversation with this one scribe, where to this one scribe, he says, the kingdom of God is near to you. Well, then he immediately turns around and he says about the group of scribes, he says, beware of the scribes who walk around in long robes to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for the sake of appearances, they say long prayers, they will receive the greater condemnation. Do you smell that? It's a burnt scribe. That's what that is. Well, on this side of the resurrection, I'm pretty confident in saying that I would not have joined the scribes group. But that's easy for me to say now. It's easy for me to say now. It'd be sort of like saying, well, if I had grown up in Nazi Germany, I would not have supported the Nazis. And hear what I'm saying. I do not support the Nazis. Nor do I hope that I would have Or if I grew up in the Middle Ages, that I would say, like, I never would have supported the Inquisition. That's easy for me to say now in 2021, right? But I can't imagine the kind of courage that it would take to step out of line with some of these groups. I mean, I can't imagine the courage it took for that one scribe in the middle of this whole interrogation scene 
to really be able to hear Jesus. To hear him, to cut through all of the noise of all of the political and grandstanding hype that's going on in these interrogations and to really, truly just hear. To hear the voice of the Son of God and to recognize what it is that he's hearing. And in the middle of the questions of all of his colleagues, to be able to hear Jesus not as a threat to their faith in the one true God, but as a gift to their faith in the one true God. And then to ask him genuinely out of a desire to grow closer in relationship with God, to ask him, teacher, which commandment is first of all? And then hearing Jesus answer, while the rest of his colleagues are probably getting out their phones, ready to light him up on Twitter, Jesus, he realizes, he says, teacher, you are right. That would not have been a popular response. Now remember, remember where they are right now. They're in the temple. They're in the temple, this, this temple place that's still a hot mess of bird feathers and loose sheep and coins scattered everywhere because Jesus just messed up their whole system of burnt offerings and sacrifices. This is what got everyone fired up in the first place. This one scribe is able to stand up and to say, you're right, God is one, and besides him there is no other, and to love him and to love one's neighbor is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. Wow. Do you hear the courage? He defied the group and he changed the conversation. You know, there was a time, for some of you who haven't been around the Church of the Nazarene for very long, there was a time when Nazarenes didn't wear jewelry. Um, it was also the time when you couldn't pop into Target and grab a faux pearl necklace for $12.99. In fact, it's kind of funny I'm talking about this today because right before I got up to preach, Tim said, your earrings are clicking on your microphone. You need to take them off. So I'm just being a good Nazarene taking those things off. There was a time that Nazarenes didn't wear jewelry because that was expensive. Like to wear jewelry was a sign that you had money. And for Nazarenes who didn't wear jewelry, I think, as far as I can understand, it was a sign of love for neighbor. That they didn't want to be identified as a group that you had to have money to be a part of. After all, the early Nazarenes really saw that they were called to be serving the neglected quarters of the city. So they didn't want to be flaunting extravagance. And I bet there are some folks here today that probably have some stories about those times. In fact, I've heard some of your stories. I see some smiles on faces even now. You probably have stories about that time and could illustrate it better than I could. But there came a time then when, for some at least, not wearing jewelry became more of a sign of being an insider of this group called Nazarenes and maybe less about loving neighbor. And so then as people started to ask that question, is this really a sign of love of our neighbor? Is it actually producing real tangible love for our neighbor. 
Now, I'm going to just pause there because it's become all too easy to point out ways in our past where we've been legalistic and focused more on signs over substance. But I just want to say that I am awfully grateful for this group of people called Nazarenes. Because without this group of people to whom I have belonged my whole life, since the day my parents brought me home from the hospital, without this group of people, I don't know if I would know who Jesus is. And without this group of people, I don't know if I would have been invited into a life of holiness where I was asked to pursue God with my everything and to surrender all that I had to the Lord. And without this group of people, as imperfect as they can be, without this group of people, I don't know that I would have found a community who would wrestle with me and encourage me and enrage me and challenge me and not give up on me in this really hard journey of following after Jesus. So the message to walk away with today, let me just be real clear, is not... Leave all your groups behind, right? Walk away uh, without any kind of community discernment. It's just you and Jesus deciding what would Jesus do. Because God made us for community. God made us to be with people and to need community and relationships and forming groups is a natural part of being made in the image of God. In fact, even Finding a sense of belonging in a group where people know you and get you and see you and love you, it is transformative. Like, it will change your life, especially when that is a group that loves Jesus and is pursuing Jesus and is calling you to come and to be more like Jesus. It is transformative. And remember that that one scribe, he didn't cease being a scribe after he asked his question and heard that the kingdom of God was not far from him. This was not a mic drop, walk off the stage moment. He was still a scribe. And this scribe's question that dared to step out of line with the group, it became a blessing to that group. Because he was the first to step out of interrogation mode and to come to Jesus with a genuine hunger and desire to know how to love God and neighbor better, not just wanting to flash some signs seeming to love God and neighbor. And then in response, Jesus does what Jesus always does, which is to show such extravagant grace for this scribe In response, Jesus demonstrates just how amazing grace really is by welcoming even a scribe. Like even the ones that he's about to say, beware of the scribes because they bring condemnation on themselves. Jesus turns and he welcomes the scribe into the kingdom of God. And friends, that is good news for this scribe right here. And this brave, authentic conversation between the scribe and Jesus, it brought an end to the interrogation. Did you hear that last verse that Curtis read? It said that no one dared to keep questioning him after that. Interrogation over. It's not enough 
to belong to a group that belongs to God. Because groups, groups will do what groups do. They will create signs to identify who is in the group and who is out of the group. And eventually those signs, over time, they will have very little to do with loving God and loving neighbor, and they will need to be checked and converted and repentant. This is just the nature of groups. It happens over time. And this morning, if you're more interested in belonging to a group than belonging to God, well, the best case scenario is that you wake up one day and you realize that you've been performing all of the signs of the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of God is actually very far away and you will start to draw near. Worst case scenario is that you end up being one of the ones interrogating Jesus when he's pointing out that your signs are no longer actually producing love of God and neighbor. But I have really good news for you today. Anybody just ready for the really good news part? Because I know if you're a scribe like me, this is a hard passage. I wrestled with this all week long. In fact, at one point, I'm sitting in my office. I'm studying and praying and just saying, Lord, how do I preach this? I am such a scribe. And Michael Johnson texts me and says, hey, Pastor Shauna, would you come to the president's prayer breakfast and pray a prayer for us? And Michael, which I'm so thrilled to do next week, but I just thought, man, yeah, I'm one of those that gets invited to come and sit in the best seats and pray those prayers. And Lord, how am I supposed to preach this passage? I'm a scribe. But here is the really good news today. The good news is that Jesus isn't on your side. Oh, nobody's waving hankies yet. Okay, that is, that is really good news because here's, because Jesus has invited you to be on his side. And here's the other good news. Jesus isn't on the side of your group. As cool as your group is, whether it's Bikers for Christ or Donaldson Hot Yoga, Jesus isn't on the side of your group, but Jesus is welcoming your group to draw near to the kingdom of God. And you could be a part of changing the heart of that group so it is facing the kingdom, rushing the gates of the kingdom, and welcoming neighbors in the process. So the question that we ask today, it's not a matter of which groups do you leave behind. Although I recognize that sometimes you do need to leave groups behind. When they become harmful and really leaving is the best witness that you could have. But most of the time, the question isn't about which groups are you going to leave behind. The question is, what are you bringing to those groups that might just draw them nearer to the kingdom of God? How are you changing the conversation and bringing such a genuine hunger for God, authentic relationship with Jesus, and radical love of neighbor that your very presence challenges her hypocrisy just by showing up. This last week, this last Tuesday at Trunk or Treat, y'all, my heart was so full. We had all of these different groups 
I mean, different groups that, that really are amazing, wonderful groups, but these different groups that showed up. The Treveca Athletic Department, they sponsored so many trunks. How many? Pastor Jamie, I think they sponsored like one billion and four trunks. Was that the accurate number? Okay, well, we'll report one billion and four to the district, so we'll just mark that down. But they, they, sponsored, they, they had all of these trunks, and they'd set up games, and they were helping with hayrides and the bonfire. They're an athletics department, right? Like, they're a group that's supposed to be about winning games and improving scores. And that's, those are really good signs, right? Those are really good signs, but, but really, and especially just getting to hang out with the director of our athletics department with Mark this last week, I know that his heart for that group is not just to win games and improve scores, but to draw near to the kingdom of God. And, and then kid power, to see our kid power mentors and volunteers, kids, parents, and guardians show up for this event this last week was so incredible. And kid power, I know that the point of kid power is to invest in these kids and to see them get good grades and diplomas, and those are good signs. Am I right, Trey? Like, those are really good signs, good grades and diplomas. We like those signs. But I know, Trey, that your heart for those students is not just about grades and diplomas. It is about moving closer to the kingdom of God. And then for us as a church hosting an event like this, it's not just about seeing how many people we can get on our campus as a sign that we love God and neighbor. It really genuinely It's about producing deeper and deeper love of God and neighbor. And when we partner with our neighbors like we did this last Tuesday night, we all draw near to the kingdom of God. This last Tuesday night was just really incredible. And at one point, Pastor Trey, who you're holding Charlotte right now, and that just makes my heart happy too, but I, I was running around the parking lot, and Pastor Trey's, or, or Trey is running around the parking lot, and, and he just runs past me, and I see this great big smile on his face, and he just said, this just really feels like the kingdom of God. You remember that? And I thought, yes, it does. See, we've been asking the question, who is my neighbor? In hopes of discovering that God's work in our neighbors will draw us closer to God's kingdom. Asking genuine, loving questions about our neighbor is really good for scribes like me. Because when we ask about our neighbor, it holds up a mirror that forces us to examine if these signs that we've been displaying of love of God and neighbor are actually producing love of God and neighbor in ways that our neighbor can recognize. Trevecca Community Church, you are a church, a group of people that is deeply in love with Jesus. I see it. You are a church that is deeply in love with Jesus, not just signs and lip service, but genuine, authentic love that is spilling out in this neighborhood. I've seen it. But remember, it's not enough to just belong to a group. It's not enough to just belong to a group. And so maybe today you've been a part of Christian groups for a long time, maybe for your whole life. 
And maybe just belonging to the group seemed like it was good enough, but maybe today you're feeling that sense of that you need to step out and you need to follow Jesus and to claim that for yourself. Can I just put a little shout out? We have Baptism Sunday next Sunday. And if you would like to be baptized, if you would like to learn more about that work of grace that God does in the waters of baptism, where then you witness and testify to the whole group that is the church that you have decided to follow Jesus, we would love to talk with you more about that. In fact, I've got a book for you today if you're interested in that. It'll be out at the Connection Center at the end of service. So if today you just need to say that you choose for yourself to follow Jesus and to take that step and make this faith your own, we would celebrate with you. Or maybe you have been a part, you've been following Jesus your whole life, but you need to commit today to specific ways of loving God and neighbor that are more than just signs and lip service. Because friends, the kingdom of God is in our midst Jesus is here with us, inviting you, welcoming you, and asking you to draw near. So as Pastor Tim comes and prays for us this morning, I just want to welcome you. If you either need to step out and to make a commitment of your faith, it's not just about belonging to the group, but making that commitment on your own, or if you need to commit to some specific ways of loving God and neighbor today, you've got places here at the altar to pray as Pastor Tim Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to join us on campus next week, we have discipleship classes beginning at 9 a.m. followed by service at 10.30. That service will be streamed to Facebook Live. We hope to see you there.